On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we have a very special guest, a guy that's been controversial on Twitter and that's triggered me a few different times. It's Ed Teach, and we do a long, drawn-out postmortem on what his process was for believing that Trump would win in a landslide. Uh, we also finally, at the end, get to some NFL picks very quickly, and I try my best not to uh, incite the more hate on Twitter, which um, seems like I've done in the last few weeks. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a town with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line Welcome is to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where we bring in one of the most controversial figures that we know in all of Twitter and all of the land. We're bringing Seth Burn. Oh, no, we're not. Actually, we're bringing Ed Teach in. Um, and what's funny about this is like, there was so much negative shit said about me last week in our podcast. The only positive thing was that I dunked on you. Uh, so maybe that's why we brought you on because at least this way there's like something value of like where I provide some value. So welcome. And I think there are a bunch of things we'd love to talk about. Let's start with the election. Um, I think the question for me, you had a very interesting tweet, I remember during the election, pre-election, or which was kind of like something about the factors and the things that you looked at and the indicators all pointing to a Trump win. So now that it's over, can we talk a little bit about, about what that tweet was all about? Sure, sure. So um, thanks for having me again. Um, I kind of requested my way onto the show after I listened to you guys last week. And uh, I felt like um, it was important for uh, my process to be explored. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to come on here and talk about it. Um, I, I learned a lesson about posting things that people care about, um, people, things that people are emotionally invested in. Some of the backlash that I got, some of the insults that I got from people for just simply stating that I thought basically that Trump was the right side of the election uh, were pretty fascinating to me. Uh, but just to give you a little bit about, about my background, um, I've been a professional gambler for 16 years. Uh, I started off with online casino bonus stuff. Uh, I got into card counting for a little while. Uh, I play video poker. Uh, I've been a professional sports better for 14 years, roughly. Um, and my process is uh, I generally look at a situation and if something jumps off the page to me and draws my attention and makes me think, okay, maybe this is a good bet. Uh, the first thing that I try to do is disprove that it's, that it's not a good bet. Um, Cause sometimes the most obvious looking bets, it really is just a flag that you're missing something. Um, and I think Rufus, you'd probably agree with that, right? Definitely. If my model, yeah. like if, if I show, yeah, if I show a huge discrepancy and like, there's definitely something I'm not picking up on. Right. So just to, just to kind of draw something to a close, I just wanted to make, make it clear, uh, as far as my decision to uh, make Trump uh, a favorite in this election, it, it had nothing to do with you know, my own personal bias. Uh, I actually had to ask myself to you know, take a step back and say, you know, because I am, 
I would consider myself more of a libertarian personally, um, but I'm one thing that I'm definitely not as a Democrat. So, um, but that's about as, as much politics as I want to talk about. I want to talk about political betting um, without the last thing the world needs is another podcast with people arguing about politics. So I think we can all agree with that too. So, I agree um, with that. And we won't talk about politics beyond the fact that um, the country should drive more towards socialism, but we'll move on. <laughs> all right. So I wanted to start off by asking you guys some questions. Uh, and you'll understand why later. But so my, my first question is, do you guys believe that elections are correlated, that the results from one place are correlated to another place? Like within the U.S. or within? Yeah. You could argue um, within the world, too. I mean, but. OK, so to get more specific. First. I mean, yes. Like are okay. errors correlated? Are you saying like polling errors? Is that a good enough? Um, are the results from one state going to be similar to another? And I, I know it depends. That, so let me ask you this. If, if you I would that, say yes. I'll, I'll, I'll go say yes. And, and my reason for saying yes is that because um, the, the, the borders are artificial, right? They're not, and, and it's not like, um, it's not like these really are separate countries or entities. They're all, there's some level of homogeneity homogeneity or whatever. So I would assume there's some level of correlation. Okay. So I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's an interesting thought. If, let me ask you this, if Trump, if you knew that Trump was going to win New York, would you bet Trump to win California? I would think he's more likely to win California than if he had not won New York, obviously. Right. I mean, it, Everything depends on what odds I'm getting, of course, but right. Yes. So I mean, you're if saying you, if you knew it's a correlated, yeah, correlated parlay type situation. So basically, the the two states are known for being heavily Democrat, right? Yes. And if Trump is going to win a heavily Democratic state uh, as a as a huge surprise, then you would probably look towards other states to bet, you know, a similar thing because they have similar demographics. Um, Kind of similar would be like you know if you knew that, that trump was going to win or i'm sorry biden was going to win like south carolina you'd probably bet him to win another conservative state like missouri or something like that um so i'm curious rufus which states did you bet on for biden okay let me see um i have to pull up i mean from memory arizona nevada florida Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Virginia. Okay. And yeah. bet so, Trump, Texas. You bet Trump to win Texas. Nice. That was the so biggest would, position. Most, most dollars risked was Trump to win Texas, which was a nice hedge. I was opposite on every single one of those. Um, and uh, my, another question I have to you is, um, what margin of victory would you, and this is a hard question to answer, but what margin of victory do you think would equate to your prices that you bet? Cause you know, you're, you're laying like minus 350, minus 400 on some of these. So and it's like 1200 you know, plus in Virginia. Yeah. 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 So if, you know, are you anticipating that Biden was going to win by this 10 point landslide or, or like somewhere in between, like. Uh, this is something that I, I kind of struggled with. 
Because it's not like no. a point spread or like a sporting event where like the, 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 the this should correlate directly to, you know, a margin of victory, right? That's your point. Right. Well, I mean, right. one example is Texas where I thought that Biden really didn't have much of a chance and Seth Byrne are, are on the podcast basically said the same. Um, but I also didn't think it necessarily would be a blowout percentage wise, but it, you know, so I think certain states there's more unknown, I, I, I guess. And so I would think that's going to depend on sort of the polling error in the state and, and like Florida, I would think is a state where there is going to be a widely, I mean, th- there could be a, a very different set of outcomes, I guess, just because it seems like the polls there were very, uh, had, I mean, there was some conflicting poll, poll numbers. And so I would, I, I would say that the, the more conflicting the poll numbers there are versus the more consistent, um, the higher or the lower the spread, I, I would, well, no, the more, basically the more variance, I mean, the variance is going to affect that vote threshold, I guess, for the, of the median outcome relative to the right. line. So I think it's interesting that, you know, the, uh, the states that we were betting were all really considered not to be locks for one candidate or the other. I guess you could call them all, all swing states, even Texas. I mean, they were trading at minus 350, you know. Yeah. It's still not impossible for Biden to have won Texas. But um, so my next question is, which, which states are the most representative of the country as a whole? Like, what are the characteristics of, the, of a state? I mean, the characteristics, I would say, would be sort of mix of urban, suburban, and rural, probably. Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of economy, I mean, the economies are kind of different. I mean, uh, varying economies, I guess. So like Pennsylvania, I'm guessing is, is a good, is a good one. It has been a swing state and has, I mean, Michigan has, seems like a good one, right? Yeah. Like Michigan has both like rural and urban and, um, and like Jeff, like Western Pennsylvania is very blue collar, um, manufacturing stuff like mining sure. versus, and then Philly you know, is very different, right? Exactly. Philly is, Philly is, you know, so, so basically your, I think, I think we can all agree that swing states are representative of, you know, the country as a whole. Would you guys kind of agree with that? Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it kind of depends on who you define the country as a whole, which is not the interesting question here. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is swing states are indicative of the final result of the election. Yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So let me, let me ask you this. If you knew that Trump had won a key swing state, would it have changed the way that you had that? Yes, of course. And I mean, look at my reaction, which was definitely somewhat emotional um, to the thought that Trump had won Florida and seemed to overperform there. I thought that that, I thought that that portended poorly for Biden in other States, having not thought about the fact that, okay, in Florida, um, I mean, we are seeing a different balance. We're seeing different votes. Um, well, uh, we're seeing different voting blocks, but also um, they're counting the votes in a different way than, say, Pennsylvania, where they're we're not counting the mail-in ballots till, th- you know, later. So, right. But yes. Okay. Sure. So, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. No worries. So, going back to my argument about swing states, or not argument, but my my topic of swing states. So I live in Florida. I think that Florida is a very good uh, representation of the entire country. I was looking at some demographic stuff before I uh, came on today. And um, 
like as far as racial makeup, we actually have less white people in Florida than all the other swing states. By Few, like fewer, fewer white people. Fewer. <laughs> yeah. I, he was doing the less in deference to you there. All right. So uh, then any other swing state, um, you know, the Midwest is all in like the 75 to 80% range and Florida is around 53%. Um, I think you would assume that the more white people there are in an area, the more likely it is to be a Republican voting area. Um, so but isn't this like the, isn't this the rub right on the Latinx thing? Ultimately, right, like all Latinx people are not the same, although they're characterized very similarly. Right, and in, in South Florida, Florida it's going to be very Latin. We just have a bunch of Latinx that come from socialist countries that they escape socialist countries. And so the term socialism to them is, is, is going to turn them away from any sort of, you know, like voting, right? So in many, well, I'm just, maybe I'm jumping the gun, which is like why people hate me, but um, what, what I'm, in my mind, I would say that like your, your thought process was right, but for whatever reason, and, and it turns out later the hypothesis around the composition of what the Latinx looks like in, in Florida versus what it might look like in Arizona or somewhere else, um, it, it, it led to a different, different outcome that wasn't correlated. Right. Possibly. So <laughs> another, another question, do you guys know of any states that released uh, their voting results uh, before election day? Results or party or registration of um, or mail-in voters? Like, cause they, you could see the registration of mail-in voters in like Pennsylvania, for example, before. Okay. So I'm not talking registration. I'm talking who was voting. Right. The party registration. No, no. Okay. So you're saying I'll demographics, the demographics, like Caucasian. Uh, I'll just, so I feel like I'm in a management consulting interview where I'm like trying to figure out how many toilets there are in the U S and I just <laughs> want to tell the fucking guy, just tell me how many toilets there are. Cause I'm not getting right. the answer. correct. Right. So the interesting thing about Florida is Florida actually releases information all throughout the month of October, um, not on voter registrations, but on who is voting, not who they're voting for, but who is actually voting. So every day they're releasing uh, who is, who has voted by which party and by how they voted. Um, and I couldn't find another state that actually does that. And uh, that was kind of my major um, reason for backing Trump in the election was uh, I was following the results uh, locally and statewide. I had a really good friend of mine who was running for county commissioner. I'd actually donated to his campaign um, and I was watching the results come in every day. And, um, in the beginning, uh, for the, so by, by election day, uh, the mail-in voting heavily favored Democrats, which is the same everywhere in the country, um, excluding non-party affiliations and independents. So just talking Democrats and Republicans, uh, the Democrats had about 59% of the mail-in votes but the Republicans had 58.3% of the in-person early voting. So what that ended up being is on election morning, the difference, the, the vote makeup that Republicans had to make up uh, was about 115,000 votes. So at, at one point in time, that was 500,000. And by the, the morning of the election, that was 115,000 votes. 
the polls opened at like seven o'clock in the morning and the early results were showing Republicans were outvoting Democrats on almost two to one. Um, and that happened throughout the day. It kind of, as the day wore on, the ratio became less and less, probably ended up somewhere. I couldn't find any statistics for just voting day, but it probably ended up being about, you know, 1.8 to one or something for the entire day. Um, so basically I, election morning, I'm sitting here watching these results come in, uh, knowing the, the, the amount that they had to make up and they were updating and refreshing every 20 minutes. So you could see every 20 minutes, the Republicans were taking a big chunk out of the lead for Democrats. Um, by like 9am, they had drawn even. And by 10 o'clock in the morning, the Republicans had like a 100,000 vote lead. So I mean, you guys know numbers. And with a sample that large, it's not going to go back the other way. It's, it's, it's a one way train at that point, right? For sure. I mean, at that point, you if you, if I had had that information, I would have been betting Florida, like uh, betting Republican in Florida or, or Trump in Florida. Until yeah, the house so I was kind of I was kind of reluctant to really explain my process because of that. But then I thought to myself, four years from now, who knows, you know, who knows if I'm gonna be alive four years from now? Um, who knows if we're gonna if I'm gonna have the ability to bet four years from now. But the, the funny thing is, is that I'm watching these numbers come in live and I'm looking at the odds and they're barely moving at all. Uh, Florida was like anywhere between minus 140 and minus 170 throughout the morning. Um, by the afternoon, it was kind of like the jig was up and the, the numbers started to move pretty heavily. Um, but it crashed at one point. I don't know if you saw that. I don't I was, know what happened there. I was like on a conference call and I saw it crash. And I was like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it went in the other direction. I was, I was just about to say that on a side note, like unbelievably, uh, the betting odds like in a split second went to like Biden minus 400 or something like that for Florida. And then within five minutes, they corrected right back. Yeah. Um, that was that like was, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in the live betting market. That was right after the polls had closed. Yeah, it was, I was shocked. I was like, are you kidding me? After everything that I had seen throughout the morning, I mean, it was basically impossible and I'm staring at a 200,000 vote lead. Um, so anyways. Wait, wait, were you like, uh, is there something I didn't pick up on here? Like is, you know, were you worried? I was in complete disbelief, to be honest with you. I was just like, there's no way that this is possibly right. Like there's, you know, how, how can how can these reports be saying that Trump has a 200,000 vote lead, you know, which ended up being close to 400,000, I think. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say the one the one reason that that could happen would be if like if the counties releasing their votes live were not representative, of, you know, were not representative of the state as a whole. If like there was one, you know, if it was just more Republican leaning counties. But right. obviously, I don't think that was the case. So at this point, you know, it's, it's 10 o'clock ish in the morning and I, you know, I see the Trump's out to this huge lead. Um, and I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that Trump has won Florida. Um, cause not only that, but the, the panhandle is a very conservative Republican area and they're an hour behind. Um, they're in the central time zone. So they are, you know, an hour behind as well. Um, so, you know, here we've said that, election results are correlated, right? And here I am looking at what looks like a significant Trump win in a key swing state. And just like you said earlier, if you knew 
that Trump had won a key swing state, it might affect the results of how you had bet Biden. Uh, it might affect your process. So, can I can yeah. I just say one thing on that? Right. It, sure. It, it, I mean, just think about what Florida, what what Trump winning Florida did to the overall like Trump versus Biden market, right? So like, you, I don't think what you're saying, I think everyone agrees with what you're saying, right? When, when, when Florida tipped to, to Biden, sorry, to Trump by the amount it did, people were, that was Armageddon for Biden at that point. Right. I mean, and look, I tweeted out, it's over. <laughs> the interesting thing about Florida is there are more registered Democrats in Florida than there are Republicans. And Trump ended up winning Florida by three point something percent. And in 2016, he only won by one one percent and change. So he basically outperformed 2016 by two percent, uh, which kind of you know led me to believe that you know maybe Trump is doing better with uh, non-party affiliation independence um, because you know how is he outright winning a state again that has more registered Democrats than Republicans? Uh, so you know at that point, I bet Trump to win the popular vote. Um, you know, I was getting almost seven to one, uh, you know, knowing what I knew, you know, you would assume that maybe there is a, maybe we're in the midst of a red wave, right? Yeah, so, given the information you had at the time, it changed, you know, it changed, it changed your, um, priors. your posterior. Yeah. Right. And just, you had to just, alter your prior. Yeah. So the other thing about uh, swing states is um, I listened to another podcast and I, I didn't actually go back and double check this because I didn't have time. But, uh, you know, somebody had mentioned that Florida and Pennsylvania have voted the same uh, on the presidential ticket in every election since the 60s. And if we were going to go into this election knowing which two states are the most important for these candidates to win, I, I think the consensus was Florida and Pennsylvania. Okay, but can I can I give you a little pushback there? I mean, first sure. off, that's a long period of time, and didn't like the wash the team normally known as the Washington Redskins. If they, um, you know, if they had won the week before, it it predicted a I forget which party win, and if they had lost the week before, the party lost. Like for like it's not the same thing, straight elections. Right? I know, yes. I know, I, it isn't. But I'm saying, um, you can find trends, and I, I guess but the question would be, that has- how has well, I know, I know. Hold on. I, how have the demographic makeups of Florida, of Pennsylvania and Florida changed? And how, and, and not just what, like what state won um, or that they both went the same way, but like how correlated were the actual results um, in terms of percentage of, of votes to the Republican versus Democratic Party? And is that, you know, because, yeah, if that, right. I, I feel like, I'm, I'm sure you didn't have that in front of you, but. Right. I mean, like I said, it's not something that I was really relying on, like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, there's such a strong correlation. You know, you're talking about a limited sample size. They're only doing this every four years. Um, but I think that it, it's, it's worth a mention, obviously. Um, so that's my, that's my case on Florida. The other thing that I was looking at, um, and this is a less strong indicator, but I'm sure, you, have you guys heard of the Seltzer poll, the pollster and Seltzer? No. I've heard of Alka-Seltzer, but not Ann okay. Seltzer. So uh, the dumb jokes are supposed to come from me, Rufus, not from her. <laughs> She has her own polling company and she actually had an article in 538 um, a couple years ago that they declared her the best pollster in America or best pollster in politics. And she's come out with some really controversial uh, results uh, in the past. Um, she's not afraid to stick her neck out. And um, 
So in 2016, she had uh, Trump winning Iowa by 9%. And it was kind of like a shock to the whole polling world back then. I didn't know about this then, but just in doing my research, I kind of came across this. Um, and back then, a lot of places had uh, Trump as roughly a coin flip or a small favorite. Um, I don't really think, I don't think anybody considered Trump was going to win Iowa back in 2016 by 9%. Um, but that's exactly what ended up happening. Um, Iowa is kind of considered to be a barometer for the rest of the Midwestern states. Um, you know, a lot of people think that however the primaries turn out, it's similar for the other Midwestern states. Um, anyways, this poll came out again uh, this year and it predicted a Trump win by 7%. Um, the average poll in Iowa had Trump winning by 2%. So it was once again saying that the mainstream polls that are out there are incorrect. Um, interestingly enough, I tracked the odds for individual states um, as I was looking at them. So I started on October 29th and Pinnacle and Chris had, they were minus 162 and minus 167 for Trump. Um, the day that this poll came out was around, I think it was on Halloween. And on that day, Trump moved to minus 245 and minus 285. And I didn't bet, I, didn't, I had nothing to do with that. Um, so I think that that's significant. Somebody else with a big bankroll is relying on this poll, which has been predictive in the past, to move the odds on Trump for that state. Um, given there was no pushback whatsoever, um, in fact, Trump ended up closing on November 2nd. I have one side at minus 325 and one at minus 410. So somewhere in between. So that says that Trump went from a 62% favorite at open to roughly 77, 80%. Um, so you're, say you're saying that that is confirmation that this pollster is legitimate. The market believes in this pollster. The market believed in the pollster. And if, if this pollster who is known for being correct and known for being the most accurate or, or best pollster by people in, those, in the business, um, and the market is confirming that, uh, wouldn't it be safe to assume that other states with similar demographics might perform in the same manner? Basically, Michigan, Wisconsin. So did, did Seltzer have those states polled differently than the mainstream? I don't know if they did them or not. Um, I didn't see anything for those. Right. I, I guess I don't know. So I, I guess I'm, I'm missing... So it, what was the Seltzer insight that made you feel like it was, there was, you know, like we'll all agree that Seltzer is a good pollster. I see that, you, like you said, 538 said she's the best pollster in politics, right? And 538 never writes anything wrong. So we're, we can just take that at face value. Um, but what, what was the next thing for you? Um, it was basically just a, accumulation of a few things, you know, seeing the odds move like they did based on that information. Uh, to me, I mean, I always have a huge respect for the market. I think as sports bettors who do this professionally, I think we all have at least some appreciation for the market. Um, but what was concerning was the market did not move for the other states that I would think he had the same effect. So 
Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, Pennsylvania. So you were using Iowa's result, the, the polling, the market move, and Iowa's correlate, uh, result to correlate with the, the states that are near it. Correct, yeah. Got yeah. And, and And there's really no way to answer if that was correct or incorrect. I think that in my defense, the results were a lot closer than people anticipated them being. I mean, you've got Trump within uh, 1% or so in some of those states when he wasn't supposed to be anywhere near there. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, obviously they lost, you know, those bets. Well, lost. they also lost by a fair amount, right? I mean, none of these states were as close as Florida was in 2000. Right. I mean, it wasn't a couple hundred votes, but it was. And he ended up, he's going to end up losing by like 70 electoral college votes, right? Yes, but I mean, you can't say that that margin, I mean, that came down to just a few states, you know. But that's the nature of the elections in electoral college, right? I mean, I think the thing that I think, you know, and this is probably a good segue into like where I take you to task on some of this stuff. He's like, I 100% like I follow your process and I think it's a fascinating thing because ultimately what you did, the market mirrored you on after you did what you did, right? You put your positions on and then the market followed you. So for you, you must have been feeling great, right? Essentially, you were able to predict Florida early. That Florida thing led you to believe that there was, a, you know, correlations that weren't accounted for yet. Um, and then when Florida was, was called pretty early on, on, you know, early Friday evening, at least on the West Coast, the overall market reacted just the same as how you would have thought it would, right? Like, yeah. we all know that Trump went to, like, minus 300, minus 400 at, at some point, minus right? Like 600 or 700 for minus a six, Well, he went to, like, 600 for a sh pretty short time, yeah. right? He, he bounced back. I mean, at least Biden bounced back a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, but but then the way that all the votes came in, right, with the mail-in votes and, and the, 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 everything that happened and the, how long it took to count these things, it made it seem closer than it really was, right? If they hadn't rolled in quite that way, would we be talking about this as this really, really close election or, or not? And I, I don't know. Like, you know, like I've never followed an election personally this closely and no election has ever had votes counted in this way. And it definitely played some psych played into our psyche, right? I mean, yeah, I, you know, I don't think that anybody would say that Biden won in a landslide, if that's what you're inferring, because I agree. I really, it wasn't a landslide. Trump won in a landslide in 2016? No. No, I would not. But I would say that Trump's win in 2016 was this is going to sound strange, but I, I think it that is. it was more, <laughs> I think that it was more convincing than Biden's. Wait, why is uh, that? Given that Biden won the popular vote by 6 million, right. Trump lost the popular vote and, and Trump's win in 2016 came down to essentially 70,000 votes. In maybe I'm in, maybe I'm incorrect in that, but um, maybe it goes down to the way that it played out. I mean, there was, there was just no questioning whatsoever that Trump won in 2000. I mean, we knew, I knew well, at 8 o'clock at night. I mean, right. That's because you didn't have the mail-in votes. But at the same time, right. there were, um, oh, and from the what I've read, fraud. that there were, there were, fraud. There, sorry? 
There was no election fraud in 2016. Well, technically, I mean, there was more election fraud in 2016, according to the government, than there was in this election. They said this election um, the, the was the most secure. The liberal government or the, the no, the, conservative government? I, the bureaucracy. I don't know. <laughs> the shadow government or the actual government? So yeah. I, I, I want to, like, kind of put a bow on things uh, because it's really interesting how things played out with the information that we have now. I'm looking at the difference in how Trump did in 2016 and how he did this year. And so in Iowa, he lost 1.18%. In Wisconsin, it was 1.33%. In Michigan, he lost 3.08%. Ohio, 0.07%. So basically the same result. Uh, Pennsylvania, 1.87%. Uh, are these the differences? These are the differences, yeah. So like, and how he performed, okay. Yeah, so he won Pennsylvania by 0.7% in 2016 and lost by 1.17%. Okay. Um, Georgia was incredible. It was 5.36%. Um, North Carolina, 2.25%. Arizona, 3.2%. Well, in Arizona... Not surprisingly, he gained 0.01%. I mean, um, Arizona makes sense given his rhetoric against John McCain and the fact that John McCain is like a beloved hero there. Possibly, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, Texas. So I, I have a question on this. Can can we if let's just play out that Georgia's results came in early, and you lived in Georgia, and you had a congressional blah 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 friend that like was in Georgia. Would that have changed your opinion in the opposite way? Meaning, like the fact that 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 Biden won Georgia is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. It definitely would have changed. I mean. I think it, you would be kind of stupid to not change your opinion based on the margin of victory and the, the history of how, how Georgia has voted. I mean, um, yeah. So do, do we it think- It would seem like a blue wave if, if right? That, but I mean, that's my point. Yeah. Like, do we think that like, so- So, so it's the order. I love the way you set this up, right? Like, okay, so these states are correlated and like, this was your process. It's fascinating. But do we like all reflect back on this as sports betters and betters generally and be like, why the hell do we do this election shit? Because there's clearly a bunch of stuff that we really don't understand, right? Like if, if we reflect on why Florida wasn't, you know, a great correlation for what was going to happen in the rest of the country, why is that? And I, I threw out one theory, right, which is this idea that, you know, Latinx in, 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 uh, in Florida is very different than it is in the rest of the U.S. and they reacted differently to the socialist messaging um, than they might have other places. But what are the other, what are the other reasons? Do you have any? I have one theory. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but I just wanted to point out that Florida, Trump won Florida by 2.15% more than he did in 2016. So it's just fascinating to me that all the other swing states went one way and Florida went the other. I, I have this kind of crazy theory and it's based on more of like real life observations than any kind of data. So feel free to discredit it. Um, so obviously I live here in Florida. Um, my secondary career, I'm in real estate. Um, I'm friends with a lot of the bigger real estate brokers in town. Uh, I meet with them once a month and uh, over our discussions, you know, none of them sold a single house in the month of April because of the virus they're all on pace to have record breaking years. Even after 
essentially taking one twelfth of the year off. Um, every single one of them is telling me that everybody who's moving here is coming from Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And my theory is it's not, it's that the majority of the people who are fleeing those states are Republicans that are living in Democrat run states. And if you look at what the coronavirus has done to some of those states, you know, you look at a state like Michigan, New Jersey, and New York, they've had some of the harshest coronavirus uh, lockdowns of any states in the country. I mean, would you guys agree with that compared to other states? I mean, there's no, diff- there's, there's no debating that the blue states and the red states have, have yeah. They're treated differently. differently to so I can understand a concern, like a Republican in a blue state who doesn't want to be locked down, doesn't think the coronavirus is a big threat, did says, the, hey, I want to go to the state that, where I'm not locked down. Did those people that move all vote in this election as Floridians? Well, I can't really answer that. I don't really know. But that I mean, has to be true for your theory to hold, right? Right. But I mean, you right. can't, you move someplace, you get a driver's license, you register to vote. It's not like you have a year long waiting period. Yeah. I don't know what that amount is, but you know, I could just tell you just from talking to people, meeting with people, like I was in Biloxi in June uh, during the George Floyd riots and I was riding down the elevator with this older guy and he started chatting me up and he says, sorry, you know, I just haven't got to talk to people recently for months. And I said, no, it's fine. And I said, where are you from? He said, oh, I'm from Michigan. I said, what are you doing down here? And he says, I'm just trying to get away from all the craziness. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen my family outside of my home. We've got these riots everywhere. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, didn't they try to kidnap the governor in Michigan? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of distrust for the government in Michigan from certain points of the population. So, you know, even if, even if they didn't have time to register in Florida, they may have still exited the state and therefore didn't vote in, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, New York, New Jersey. I mean, New York and New Jersey don't really matter, but Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan definitely do. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Right. And if that's the case, if this continues, you know, Republicans are in big trouble in this country. If they're, well, if they're, they're, don't you think, think they are generally because of like the, the California exodus to like, like Texas and, you know, the reason that Texas is becoming closer to becoming blue, right, is because there's all these Californians moving to places like Austin, right? And and that's the only reason, I would think. And there's very few Republicans in California to begin with. Yeah. So. Well, and, and if Texas goes blue and like demographically, it probably eventually will. If when that happens, I feel like Republicans are going to have a have a real challenge. It's going to be an uphill battle to ever sort of win the presidency. Um, I mean... I guess I think I think I don't the know what happens to the other states. Very bleak future because of the way that uh, the youth has aligned. Because they're, I mean, they're a minority. Like there are more Democrats than Republicans in the United States. Can I, can I tell you guys my? Can I tell you my macro on this whole thing? And and maybe you guys don't care, but like, I'm not like political per se. Like people would probably think like my persona is that I'm very liberal, and. I'm not. I mean, I grew up a Republican and and typically voted Republican until until Trump, and I just couldn't didn't care for Trump. The challenge that we have in this country right now is 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 in many ways the challenge that I have in running a business, where 
people have like zero ability to actually talk about high level stuff, which is strategy and ideals. And they want to go to tactics and policies. And so like we could probably sit around the three of us and we're all very different in terms of political alignment and, and agree on ideals, right? Like, but, but when we start talking about policies, we have zero ability to do it. In this country, we have zero ability to actually talk about anything because we move right to policies and we don't even talk about ideals at any level. And I think the idea of like strategy versus tactics is something I think about a lot in the world of business because like you have to think about like Rufus and I had a call the other day because everyone's shitting on us about this podcast is I was like, you and I just got to be aligned on what our strategy is. Like, why do we do this? And then the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. And as long as you and I are aligned on why we do this, and it's mostly because Rufus likes to hear himself talk. So that's why we do it. And like, he gets to listen to that on iTunes, which is great. So every once a year or so I listen, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Do we want to talk any more about the election or do we want to talk about sports? I just have one question for you guys. Well, maybe two. So Rufus, knowing what I've just said, do you still feel comfortable about whether, do you, do you feel like you place positive expected value bets? That's a good question. I should have been prepared for that, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, do I feel like based on, based on what I knew, based on what I know now about your process before the election, and by the way, this seltzer person is only an Iowa pollster, I think. That's, yeah, that's kind of the assumption that I had too. Yeah, she, she's just, you know, she specializes. It's like I specialize in golf. She specializes in Iowa. She knows her market. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they, I think they were, um, I don't think that they were as large edges as I had thought. And I think it's debatable. It is completely debatable. Do you think it, yours were positive EV? You talking yeah. to me? Yeah. Uh, I do. It's hard for me to say because, you know, without putting my tinfoil hat on and I almost was going to like make one for you guys. Cause I knew we were going to do this over zoom and I was going to put my tinfoil hat on, you know, I do think, and I, and I try not to let my bias affect my thought process, but I do think that there are some circumstances in this election that are obviously very different and, you know, people will call you crazy or a conspiracy theorist. If you say, oh, this election was rigged, right? People will say that you're an idiot if you think that professional sports games are rigged, right? I think we'll all agree with that. But there have been points in time where there have been rigged games. Rufus, you know this more than anybody because you did research on it. Yeah, the Tim Donahue um, thing. Yeah. Nobody would have believed you if you were making that accusation just based out of left field when it was happening. Um, and, you know, I know the tennis max matches are fixed all the time because I've been on the wrong side of some of them where, you know, you bet two to one on the underdog and you wake up the next day and they're six to one. Um, so, you know, the thing, the thing that happens... It's called having a bad model. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. I, I, no, you're right about the tennis thing. The thing, the thing about, you know, if you're going to make an argument over rigging something, you have to have control over it, right? Um, so, like, in the case of... Tim Donahue, he had control over how the game was officiated. When you're a player on a team, you have control over, you know, how the points are scored or how they are not scored. Um, 
and there's well, tennis, an, why, why tennis is so easy is because it's one person, right? One person, right. Right. And golf kinda, is a individual sport, but it's not as, I mean, unless, so, you, yeah. So let me ask you this. If you were, if you could pick one political party and choose, which one would it be easier to rig an election, Republicans or Democrats? Who would have the easier time doing that? It depends on the state. I, I, I would know, think the your, party is, in power. So I would think Republicans, given right now, given that they have the conservative majority in the Supreme Court and the federal government, and they have Republican legislatures and, sorry? That they're essentially the ones that are controlling. I mean, I would say, Mark, aren't, yeah. aren't you saying, are you saying because of the media? Because no, the liberals no. control the media more and it's easier for them to, to get something passed? I do think that liberals control the media more. I think that even the most liberal person in the world who at least has an open mind could agree with that. Um, what I'm saying is if you were going to rig an election, would it be easier for Republicans or Democrats? And my argument, and I think it's a pretty solid one, is that Democrats would have a much easier time rigging an election because, you know, all election results are processed at like a county level, right? There are, when you look at the big map that shows the United States by county and how they voted in 2016, you know, it's like 70, 80% Republicans, right? Yep. So you would have to have the supervisor of election for that county in all of these counties throughout the country uh, on board with rigging this election, right? But if you were on the Democrat side and you wanted to rig the election, really what you, all that you would have to do is control the governments in large cities and swing states. Right? Okay, so it's centralization versus decentralization, essentially. Right, right. So I think there's an argument that can be made if you look, especially in a city like Detroit, where it's the only major metropolitan area in the state of Michigan. Um, it has a huge Lansing. population. Uh, it has, you've got a Democratic governor, you've got Democratic uh, city you, you, officials. So are, I mean, like in all honesty, right? Do you think this election was rigged? I can't answer that question definitively, but I, I try to have an open mind. <laughs> I, do I think it was likely? No. Do I think it was there, possible? I mean, absolutely. But are you, you're saying it's in sort of like one. the reevaluation, in the, re the evaluation of were your bets positive EV, one of the things that's in your mind is this could have been rigged and like that's something that you didn't account for. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But just going back to my point, I mean, really, the election just came down to a few metropolitan areas. You're talking uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Detroit, Michigan, uh, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. Right. So you're saying it, it just came down to many millions of people. Just because the people happen to be more densely clustered than land doesn't vote, people vote. Right. You guys have seen that demo. Yeah. So if you controlled the results in those areas, it could be very easy. But I'm not I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just hypothesizing that if you were to try to do that, then that's easily the, the best way to do it. Yep. And that's why I mean there's recounts and stuff like that. But well, what's interesting about the recounts is you know, they're just recounting the votes. They're not actually inspecting, you know, the votes. And there's been, there's been so many inconsistencies where, you know, I made a list of them, you know, you've got dead people voting, which happens every election, but you've got lower rejection rates on mail-in ballots. Um, you've got 
you know, the suspiciousness of, well, you, you know, also have the, more mail-in ballots, so it's a different composition of people doing it. Right. So I don't think it's apples to apples, but yeah. And also like the dead people thing, it's like, like I, I, to me, it's like, it's, is our voting system flawed? And if you look, can you find mistakes in it? Absolutely. Do I really feel like those mistakes were the difference in this election? No, I don't personally. So, but I mean, honestly, like if, you, if you're trying to run an open and honest election, why is it that the observers who are supposed to be able to observe the election are not able to stand within 20 or 30 feet? You know, why is that? Um, why are they, why are they putting up cardboard? I mean, is it possible that there was like concerns of actual social distancing within these, within these confines where there's like this global pandemic that we're dealing with right now? I know it's not in Florida, but in the rest of the country, <laughs> we're dealing with it. So. Or it's, harassment it's, or other things. I mean, I feel like with a lot of these things, you hear this, you hear that this dead person voted or this person, the, this postal service employee witnessed, um, postmarks being backdated, you know, and then you find out, oh, you know, this actually wasn't true. This was actually one side of the story. This was made up, right? Well, I think, I think we okay. can't take everything at face value. I think, you know, I think you hear things on both sides pretty, yeah. Uh, unfortunately for us, the way that our news is delivered, unless we see it with our own eyes, is that we're reliant on how much we trust our source because we weren't there. We don't know the truth. And I'm not saying all these allegations are true, but I, what I'm saying is they're allegations. They've, they've been brought up, you know, and I've seen like, why are they putting cardboard over the glass for the counting room in Detroit? You know, why is that? Why are they hiding their process of counting the votes? You know, that's, that's questionable to me. Um, so, you know, why, you, why are they, why are wait. they finding ballots for Trump weeks after the election in Georgia? You know, why, what you heard about the the glitch in the system in that one county in Michigan where they had 6,000 votes that went for Biden that should have gone for Trump. Like, why is that? You know, why have we never had these issues before? We have. I, there I there we were have. a lot of irregularities in 2016. I read about this. There was a lot of irregularities, I, I think, but I think, Hillary so, conceded and basically said that, you know, they, they didn't investigate them. I, I think we probably have. I think like any process that's like this that's so human intensive where you're having volunteers do it and you don't you don't think that there's been probably tons of mistakes that just haven't ever the, the problem is they're all like i would think they're all i would think there'd be a bigger point if honestly the 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 election like there were five states that were like florida in 2000 they're, they're not they're like pretty big margins when you get down to it in terms of numbers and yeah. he won by seven. He won. He's going to win by 70, 70 electoral votes. So, you know, I think the one thing that everybody can agree on is I would like to see a uniform process for voting so that there is no room for questioning what happened. You know, I don't see why. You, you know, like at the federal level, Mark? At the federal level, yeah. Okay. You, you know, that you realize that that is a, that, that goes against what Republicans generally want. Because, okay, why is that? Well, because um, because it'll, in conservative states, um, well, if it's not the federal level, it means that states can't have their own laws in, in their own, uh, you know, regarding um, it's like federal polling places and right. Well, that yeah, at yeah. The core, right? Yes, of course. At the core, that is it, and also the fact that um, it allows. I mean. Think historically in in the South, like you know, 
post reconstruction, like Jim Crow South, all, all the different things states did, and the federal government did not step in, right? It was states were able to essentially, you know, if you have a state that is Republican, or I mean, you could say, I mean, basically, if you have a state that where the legislature has an interest in one thing, they can create laws to make it harder for uh, their opponents to vote, right? And the Republicans control most of the state legislatures, and, and you know, so. Yeah. But I don't know. I can just, let's just put it all on the blockchain. Let's move on to yeah. sports. I would like to move on to sports. One, one last thing check. about the election. My goal here was to prove to you guys that I was not betting based on bias, that I had valid logical reasons to form the opinion that I did. Did I accomplish that? Yeah, and, and Mark, I, I, I mean, actually never thought you were betting on bias. I, I was, I was curious to see, like, I, I remember that tweet really, really, like, it's like burned in my head with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers logo and your, you know, all the indicators. And I, and I remember thinking, like, I want to know what he's talking about because, like, I, no, I mean, generally, like, respect your opinion on this stuff. And I didn't think you, were, I didn't think you would bet on bias, right? Like, so it was, it was. It was. It, I thought it was fascinating to hear your process. I don't think it was flawed. I, but it it is, again, like I think one of the interesting things about someone like yourself is how you react to the information as it comes in, and how you avoid, you know, confirmation bias. So we can jump into, you know, the we were off air. We we're talking about this whole Chargers thing, and you know, you said oh my chargers takes were bad and and you know I think rufus and i actually were defending you to say like i don't think they were i mean i think this is a pretty good team that just hasn't won the games that it should have won and we can talk about whether you know anthony lynn is uh you know analogous to um whatever some superintendent voter in 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 pennsylvania sabotaging your futures bets um but you know, ultimately that, you know, that, that futures bet, it still has a chance to at least push, right? I mean, realistically. What are they, three Maybe. and seven? They're three and seven, right? They're going to lose to the Bills this week. Um, will they though? Uh, that, I got that's over, like I got one of my strongest seven. bets of the week. That you like I got the over Bills. seven, so. Yeah. I'm, so I'm bet stamp, you can mark me down for being a Bills Are supporter. you seven and a half? Sorry? I bet over seven, seven and a half, and eight. I think I might have even bet like an alt one that was like nine or nine and a half too. Well, so the nines or nine and a half probably are not going to win. Uh, right. I'll explain that. No, I mean, none of them are probably going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. But so, um, so did you did you get crushed in the election? You know, I really didn't because I I bet significantly on Florida and North Carolina. Um, I had a little bit of Texas. That was the one that I was not opposite Rufus on. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a small loss, uh, a couple units, but it's not, you know, it's, it's so funny because I took so much heat from people on Twitter. And it's funny because I really don't care about Twitter. I use Twitter as a tool to get information from other people. And I use it to make contacts in the industry. Um, maybe finding, you know, somebody... Uh, who who we both can use each other's information to profit or whatever. Um, so these people who who whose entire world is their Twitter account uh, were just relentlessly attacking me 
Um, and to me, you know, yes, I, my side lost my personally, but you know, they're just bets at the end of the day, they're just bets. And I win and lose all the time. Um, I'm really used to losing. So yeah. what about it? Some how are some of your other NFL futures doing? You were, you were, uh, you, how do you feel about Tampa now? I mean, obviously you got a great price, but given the fact that Brady now looks like a statue, um, you know, do you still feel as strongly about it? I'm sick to my stomach after having to watch them through primetime games this year. And I don't think that Brady is the problem. I think that he's exactly what they thought they were going to get. I think that Bruce Arians is the problem. I think that, uh, I think that, Brady well, Arians just, told me that he just misread the coverage. That's why he threw interceptions. So Arians has been Arians throwing, has explained it all I mean, to me. Th- those interceptions last week were definitely on Brady. Those were bad. Those were very bad throws where he like clearly okay. missed. Yeah. They were mostly they were on deep. It's one of the other. They were mostly on deep passes. The, the further a pass travels, the more likely it is to be intercepted. I know um, this, Mark. We've talked. <laughs> Brady, well, just to, just, you know, explaining yeah. this, you know, Brady is known. He succeeded in a short passing game that relies on quick throws, you know, slants and screens. Uh, James White, Julian Edelman, you know, there's, these guys have average depths of targets that are, you know, in the, <laughs> at the line of scrimmage or within six or seven yards. So right. it's not a surprise to me that Brady is struggling. You know, you look at all of his interceptions, they're all on deep balls. And they do not have a reliable pass catcher out of the backfield. I mean, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette dropped like four balls the other night. Um, they're, they're slow. You know, you look at a player like James White. He's very agile. He's very quick. Um, he's got good lateral movement. J- J- or, uh, Ronald Jones and uh, Fournette, they're, they're just humongous guys who can run this you is, over. This is insane right now, by the way. You're basically saying, like, Brady would be better off if he had the James Whites, the Julian Edelmans, the people that sort of nobody really wanted. You know, like this, this idea – so th- we're going to get now to the Brady-Belichick – um like argument because ultimately that's that's where this is probably leading to right so uh part of what you're saying now is that brady was successful because there was a system that made him successful yes right and, and so, we also maybe maybe according to your logic mark maybe all those interceptions weren't completely on Jameis. maybe if he was in the belichick system he wouldn't be throwing all those interceptions i thought about that and i think that that's probably correct because, I mean, when you look at his interception rate under Arians compared to his previous coaches, it spiked really huge. And it, it makes sense because what is Arians known for? A downfield, yeah. a downfield aggressive passing attack. You know, so, yeah, I, I think absolutely. Uh, and Jameis wasn't the best deep ball thrower either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, like I said earlier, the further the ball travels, the more likely it is to be incomplete or intercepted. So, you know, I don't think it's crazy. I do think Brady, especially at this point, he's 42 or 43 years old. You know, he's not, th- he's obviously not throwing the ball downfield with the same accuracy that he was younger in his career, but I still think he can be an effective quarterback because his arm is still good enough and his brain is still there. Well, That's, he also but, forgot what down it was once this season and tried to throw two forward passes on one play. So I'm not sure the brain. But your, you've, your tune <laughs> yes. has changed, right? Like ultimately this, this Brady – uh, like no, I, I, there's a world where he could be much more effective than he is because when when he's in the pocket and there's pressure and the pocket breaks down, he's he's in trouble. He can't move around the pocket very effectively. 
he can't get a lot on the ball unless he has proper room to step into it. Like it, it, he's not nearly as accurate as he used to be. But so I guess like back to this sort of Brady Belichick thing, you had a bunch of like, uh, you know, similarly to how the, the election tweet is burned in my head. I have some tweets burned in your, my head from you about, you know, the, the clear definitive that it's, it's been Brady. That was the success of the Patriots versus Belichick. Do you still believe that? And I mean, like, I mean, like, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely believe that. Um, you know, I don't think that, I don't you think the said that Brady only Brady's success rate or his, his, his lack of interceptions really came from the fact that he was throwing the ball short distances and right. that he had like these amazing guys like James White there to help him turn, you know, like these passes into to goal. Yeah. But that, I, that, I don't see, I don't see what you're trying to tell me here. Like, I, I don't understand. I mean, that system the, that system and, and finding guys like James White, right, who are not going to get paid a lot, but work well in a system, right? That's all, you know, whether it's Belichick or McDaniel or what, whether it's the infrastructure, right? The, the, the Brady versus Belichick thing, the reason it's so insulting to me, and, and I'm not saying that Brady wasn't a huge part of it and that he fit the system really well and he executed in like to a T, but the, to take all this, you know, credit away from Belichick to have that the ridiculous run that the Patriots did based on the fact that Belichick's team looks like shit this year, right? Is is it, it's absurd to me, right? Like, and you know, like you can say like, uh, okay, well, you know, there, there are things that Belichick certainly could have done better as a GM that brought him in this situation, but no NFL teams have runs of more than like four or five years of consistent without having down years. Right. The Patriots were like the only team that's ever done that in, in the you know, post salary cap era. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll agree with you that I don't think that Brady deserves all of the credit, but I definitely think that he deserves the majority of the credit. Um, I, I, when I, whenever I do my off season stuff, I look at the, the one thing that I really look at is quarterbacks. Uh, and I look at a few different metrics for quarterbacks. I look at interception rate, sack rate, um, you know, I look at turnovers for team. I try to take all of the luck out of the game when doing my projections. And, uh, you know, when I, when I saw my New England projection this year, I, I, it was like in the sixes. And, you know, that's going to prove to be fairly accurate. Um, but I don't think anybody would have believed that, you know, looking back uh, at the time that I, that, you know, before the season. So, you know, I, I do, I do believe that the NFL is pretty much just about the quarterbacks. And, you know, when you look at, okay. So a question for you, do you think if, do you really think that the Patriots would be better, much better with Brady there right now than versus Cam? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I think they'd be a winning team and uh, going back to, you know, Belichick's known for his defense. Right. But they had so many opt-outs on the defense. Yeah. But defense doesn't really matter. I mean, you're still talking about professional players. None of these guys were Khalil Mack. You know, none of, none of these guys were Stefan okay. Gilmore. But they had a cohesive unit. I think that's okay. right. So, so like, you've, you've, you guys have looked at football outsider stuff. They basically say that defensive DVOA is very unpredictive from year to year. And that pass defensive DVOA is less predictive than run defensive DVOA. Why do you think that is? 
Because the secondaries, I mean, it's harder to, yeah, because you think there's more skill up front. Um, or well, that's I, no. an easier skill to repeat. I think that your secondary performance is based upon the quarterbacks that you're playing. I think that run defense is pretty general. I mean, you're talking about the average run goes for three yards, you know, three or four yards, um, or 4.3, just to be. I was going to say, the average run goes for more than three yards. Yeah, but I mean, but the median, the median run goes for three to four yards. Um, So there's, if you have a good run defense and you you retain the same players, it's likely that that's going to continue. And that's shown up in their, in their numbers in the past. As far as pass defense, you know, I, I personally believe it's all about which quarterbacks your defense has to face. So, I mean, you see teams spend a lot of money on top cornerbacks. I mean, I, I think there's certain positions you shouldn't, but also, you know, yeah, I, I, do I don't believe I, teams are stupid enough to say, hey, you know, like, well, some teams it, are. but I think the difference is if you come across that generational guy like yeah. Revis or Gilmore or, or whoever, like that, that can be a big difference. So You're right. In general, New England doesn't spend, pay big money for – players in the secondary yeah and they, they did they, this year right this is the first time they the generational guy yeah well McC- the mccordy's make a lot of money too yeah i mean they have a, most of the money on their defense is spent on their secondary right and that's the strength of their defense right now and i think the nfl believes you know you look at where the nfl spends money on defense they spend money on guys Edge who can rushers. attack quarterback and guys who can cover receivers and that's probably the appropriate way to look at it so okay let's here's another way for me to look at it over the last 20 years what team has been the outlier um team in terms of performance in the nfl relative to the patriots right we can all agree with that what and during that 20 years you know of all the quarterbacks that have played like and we talked about this, like which quarterbacks would you guys, you know, want in any one game to win that game? And I don't know if it's like, even if you said Brady, would it be so clearly Brady, right? Like not to the same extent that the Patriots have been the outlier in terms of the NFL. Would he be the one? I mean, there's, there's some good guys. I mean, Mahomes obviously is Rogers. Yeah, Russell Wilson, Rogers. Yeah, do I think he's? I don't think he's quite in their level anymore. But I no, still but even think- in it, let's even take his heyday, right? Like in his heyday, in his heyday versus these guys' heyday, you know, like I don't believe you're choosing Brady over Mahomes in his heyday, over Rogers in his heyday, or, or Russell Wilson in his heyday, right? Maybe not, but I'd say it's close. Okay, so. Again, there's been plenty of those quarterbacks over time, right? That you would put in his same, you know, but yet no team has had that longevity of performance in terms of being an outlier. So I'm not sure how we get to the thing that it's, it's, it's Brady. The majority of the, the credit goes to Brady when really like the person that was at the helm of all this was Belichick in many ways. Yeah. So I would argue that it's Brady. I would argue that it's the weak division they played in. I think that had a big part to do with it. I mean, look at the quarterbacks that they – I mean, Miami's gone through one quarterback after another. The Jets have gone – I mean, Buffalo, none of them have had any kind of semblance of a good team. 
Um, even the year where the Patriots had a backup quarterback, and I guess this maybe proves your point a little bit, uh, they still missed the playoffs by like one game or a tiebreaker, I think. They went 11 and five and missed the playoffs. So yeah. And, that, and yeah. Matt Castle's done nothing, obviously, since then, right? Like yeah. He, he got yeah. a contract, but he was terrible. He was league average to below league average for sure. So, I mean, yeah, like, like I said, I, I do think the Belichick deserves some credit, but I, I still personally believe that, you know, if I had to do a, a percentage makeup of who's responsible for the Patriots' success during their dynasty, I would say 60% Brady, 30% Belichick, 10% schedule. Damn, okay. That's, you're giving Belichick a lot more credit than I thought you would. I, I bet. There, there, there Jeff, are like, what is, what's your percentage? Then we can move on to, because uh, I feel like we're talking I would say here. 50% Belichick, 30% Brady, 20% the division. I think the division was a big part of it because okay, they so, were able to for so, for so long to to sort of live in this world that was, you know, they were almost de- default to win, right? And and you know, with that, you can probably do some smart things. But I, I mean, I would actually maybe do say 60, 60, 30, 10 or something for Belichick. I, I'm just a big fan of Belichick, and I I also I also feel like that's as much as why you're seeing their demise because I think he's made some bad decisions. And he's been subjected to some some challenging circumstances, right? So in other words, like he had a big part in the credit. So now that things are falling apart, he certainly has a big part in 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 you know the the blame for that. I mean, he's also on the wrong side of the aging curve for head coaches, also. Well, and he's just, I mean, you know, he's just there's lots of there's lots of reasons that he's that he's uh if you think about it, right? Like he did have all these players that he that whatever we don't we don't okay. i don't want to make excuses for him because he like he is what he is the patriots are what they are they're not a particularly good team they're a team that um has lost some coin flip games and they could be better than they are but they 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 look like they can't move the ball down the field half of the time so okay in can this we, nfl that's tough to watch can we move on we sure. we've been going an hour and 15 minutes and i have a hard stop in like 10 minutes so okay um, Do you want to, we, we can talk about, they want, they'll want some picks from us. Ed, I assume that you don't necessarily have any picks because you don't pick, pick week to week. Um, I do want to give you credit for the Alex Smith uh, call out. Do you have some, do you have some uh, futures on him as comeback player of the year? Yeah, I bet him at 16 to one. Have you already spent those? I'm assuming. Did uh, FanDuel give you a cash out option on those? <laughs> it wasn't with FanDuel. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not counting it yet. I still think that Roethlisberger has got a, a, a non-zero chance, uh, you know, especially if they go fucking 16 and 0. That's a good me. point. I um, forgot that he missed all last year. Yeah. Well, he missed like 15 games. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. There's I mean, no way that Smith doesn't win. It's just too, it's too, it's, a it's such story. a good story. Too unreal. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know, I, if I could get a 30 to one or a 20 to one on Roethlisberger, I'd probably take it. Uh, do you have, um, Mark, do you actually run, do you update futures at all? Do you bet futures during the season or is it just preseason? I'm not really traveling a lot this year. So normally I would be betting futures. Um, this year I'm just kind of not really paying as much attention to it. So do you have any futures in, in, uh, in the basketballs? In basketball, in the college basketball, or the NBA? No. You just do NFL. Yeah. Um, Mark, you can drop off if you want. I think Rufus and I will probably do 10 minutes on the NFL slate. 
okay. unless you want to be a part of it. <laughs> you can come, you can critique our NFL picks if you'd like. No, thanks. You know, I have nothing of value to add there. So thanks for coming on. You're like, I, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness of your process. I, I don't agree with a lot of what you say at times, but I, I appreciate your process at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that means a lot to me. Thanks for having me. And on. Mark, we, you, you still, wait, wait, are we going to, are you going to tell the parking lot story before you go or no? How I met you? Oh yeah. 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 Sorry. So the last time you guys had me on, I was kind of uh, thrown for a loop because Jeff was like, who are you? And I was like, gosh, who am I? You know, like uh, nobody's ever really asked me that question before. And uh, I was kind of like a deer in the headlights for a minute. And then we never got to the uh, how Mark met Rufus thing. So uh, I had seen Rufus uh, out in Vegas for a couple months. Um, I was betting with some guys and we basically kind of ran everything in town that was small market we were beating. And, uh, you know, we were used to getting the openers on everything and getting all the value out of, out of every single bet and not really having any competition. And then we start seeing this young guy um, walking around with his laptop on his arm, like it's attached to him. And, uh, you know, ended up being Rufus. And, uh, you know, I would see him around town, but he was betting like ridiculously small amounts. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of had respect for him just in the fact that, you know, he kind of looked like not a moron and, you know, was walking around with a laptop all the time. And this is back in the day when you really weren't supposed to be doing that. Uh, but, you know, he was betting like $20 or $50. I was, I, I was betting a few hundred dollars. Yeah. And I could, and I, it's funny because after, I remember specifically talking to you afterwards and I'm like, dude, you know, if you're betting a hundred dollars and your advantage is like 2%, like you just drove all across town for $2 in expected value, you know? And uh, you were like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But Anyways, uh, so I'd been seeing Rufus for a few months around town, and uh, one day I was in the Palms making some bets, and I always carried uh, some self-defense stuff with me, uh, mace generally, and, uh, you know, I had parked way, way out. I can't remember if it was in the garage or way out in the lot, but... No, I was in the lot. Yeah, I got the sense that somebody was following me, and, uh, you know, following me for quite a while, and I'm always aware of my surroundings whenever I'm in Las Vegas or really anywhere. And uh, it got to the point where he was getting closer and closer and like my car was not far away. And it, you know, came to the point where I had to turn around and confront him. And I can't remember which words were exchanged, but he basically was like, Oh, do you, do you do this for a living? And I'm like, who, you know, what's it to you? You know? And he's like, Oh, well, you know, I, I just moved out here and I work for uh, LVSC. Uh, but I also bet and I, I kind of got the feeling that he was pretty harmless at that point. Uh, but, you know, there was a good chance that he could have been my first victim uh, of the mace attack. Uh, but anyways, uh, so we got to talking and, uh, you know, he, he made it be known that he had written a thesis paper uh, on baseball. He made it be known. And, uh, you know, that he had a, have a from, copy of it. Do you have a copy of it with him? Because normally, when, whenever he used to go to bars and hit on women, he used to always bring that thesis with him and hand it to the of women. Of course. It, 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 it's, <laughs> it, it's a winning move, Jeff. I can't believe you still don't see that. Is that a plus EV move with the ladies? Always. Yeah. So With big glasses, too. And the, the, the 2004 Civic is another you know, big uh, turn on for the ladies, right? Oh, yeah. They love that. <laughs> yeah. They love it. It's still, They're taking still, the still have that so. thing. So and then he, he, he happened to drop that he, he had a degree in economics from Yale and had written a thesis paper. And I thought, 
you know, maybe I should listen to what this kid has to say. So, and we're roughly the same age. I'm a couple of years older than him. So. Nice. It's a great story. Yeah. I, I remember you had asked about when NBA props at the Palms, I saw you like, I, and I was like, I wanted to know what they said because I felt you had a, you had a relationship with all these bookmakers. So I hadn't met you yet to that point. So you hadn't told me about the $2 an hour or whatever, but um, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Hey, all's well that ends well. All right. Well, yeah, thanks guys. for joining us. Mark, Rufus really and I appreciate should jump it. on a little bit of NFL, but yeah, that was awesome. Super interesting, right, at least to Rufus and I. Okay. See you, bud. See ya. All right. Have a good one. Yeah. Quickly going through NFL. Yeah, let's do that. You mentioned that you you have uh, tremendous value on on uh, the Buffalo Bills, right? I do indeed. They're up to minus five and a half now. You still like them there? Or was yeah. That? I mean, I think that's what I got them at. Oh, okay. Were they somewhere else? No, I just for some reason thought the line was shorter, but I guess I guess that is what it is. So you like them at minus five and a half? Like at minus five and a half. I. Um, what do you make the Lions? Because that to me it seems I kind of like the Lions uh, at plus three. Yeah, plus I make it plus one point nine. Um, but we actually did play a little bit of plus three early. And right now, it's plus I mean, three minus one hundred five. It looks like maybe you could get plus, to plus three, three plus one hundred three at Pinnacle. Okay, there you go. It is. I mean, I, I'm going to make plus three, uh, along with some kind of current opinions. I think that's enough to that I will. You must like the Redskins. I, I will say that Detroit plus three for the people oh, sorry, tracking sorry, is sorry, Detroit sorry. plus three at minus one hundred ten or better. You must like better. the the football team, right? I do like the football team. I, I believe they should only be about a half a point underdog. Yeah, there you go. So, How much of that is, is uh, you think, quarterback related? You know, I, I've, Alex Smith and Andy Dalton are not that far apart. I don't, think it's that, I, don't think it's that, I don't think it's that quarterback related. In fact, I ran it with some different assumptions just to kind of see. And, um, what about the Falcons Raiders? Um, where's that line now? That's minus three, almost even for the Raiders. Yeah. Um, I make that line in the, let's see, one and a half range. So I'm, I'm not playing plus three juiced on Atlanta, but I would our play beer, plus three, minus, friend, I'd play our, plus three minus one ten. And in fact, we did play plus three minus one ten earlier, but I would not play it at plus three minus one seventeen. Our beard friend the likes the Falcons there. So plus, and actually, no, there are plus three minus one tens available. So yeah, I like plus three minus one ten. What else do you got? Um, let's see, I took. Well, I don't like Jacksonville anymore, um, given who's the starting quarterback. I don't even. Um, it's Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. I didn't. Even why why would you? Week. So you would have liked them with Jake Luton was playing, or you would have liked them? No, with I thought Mitch? I thought there was a good chance Minshew played. I thought it was about 50-50, and so I ran the numbers both ways. And I basically thought, you know, I took we took plus six, thinking that, or no, we took plus seven minus one seventeen Sunday night. I thought that um, I thought a fifty-fifty chance of Minshew playing made it good enough. With Luton, I with Luton, I make it five point six. So um, I like. I like tennis. Ooh, well, it's plus three and a half minus, let's see, minus like 128 at Chris now. Um, but it looks like plus three and a half minus 119 at Pinnacle. And um, so I, I'll guess, I, I guess I'll say plus three and a half minus 120 or better for um, Tennessee, plus three and a half. 
Um, I like the Bills minus five and a half. And is that it? There's got to be one. I think there's one more. I just have to search for it. You Oh, I know. You like the Ravens. Minnesota. Five and a half. Although that, that line was off the board for a while, and now it's back. Is Bridgewater playing? It's three and a half is what I've heard. Um, unless I'm missing something, and there was some recent news that I um, – so we haven't actually bet it yet because it was off the board. But, but with Bridge – I mean, I make the Vikings like a seven-point favorite if, if both teams' starting quarterbacks are, are playing. So, um, yeah, I yeah. like Minnesota there. Nice. All right. Well, you and know, I only, you have, a, I only have a lean on the Jets, believe it or not. It, we actually like Miami, weirdly. I, I would take Jets at like plus seven, um, like flat, but not at plus seven juiced or six and a half. Did you end up taking the Jets last week when they popped to 10? Um, I know because we had a full position at nine and a half and nine. Oh, okay. So That's you did the have one. the Jets last week. Yep. Okay. All right. Rufus got to go. Thanks for listening. It's kind of long. I tried not to talk very much. Hopefully people liked it better because I didn't interrupt, but I can't, can't resist sometimes. And I'm trying to give Rufus all the bad jokes. So who knows? Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and then we'll talk to you next week. Crunching all the numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of lead.